Welcome to Generations Church Podcast, a podcast about everyday people committed to expanding God's family because of Jesus for generations to come. My name's John. I'm the engagement pastor here at Generations Church, and I'm sitting here with Kyle Davies, our lead pastor. Yeah, you! And we recently uh, have been continuing this sermon series called Known as we work through Colossians chapter 1. And today we're going to continue to have this discussion from Sunday about some of the things that Kyle brought up this past weekend. Uh, some concepts that he threw out there, some wording in which he just kind of dropped out there. We're going to make him flush it out, talk about it a little bit more, have a fun conversation today. Definitions are a good thing. Exactly, right? And so I remember this past weekend, you opened up your sermon, and you really brought out these two concepts that you made this argument that Paul's trying to really integrate these two things into the Colossae Church, that the gospel has come to Colossians, just as it has come to other people. Mm-hmm. And second, the gospel is transforming people and communities in Colossae just as it has in other parts of the world. You really yeah. hit this just as it's happening here. It's happening in other yes. places too. And yes. you really began to kind of dive into this. And let's be real, when we're thinking about that today in our culture right now, we can't ignore media and what just nope. occurred this past weekend of Kanye dropping the whole Jesus is King album. And we've seen a man who's gone from I am God to Jesus is King. Like we've seen this radical transformation in a man. And we've seen a lot of the church's kind of response to this. And with what you talked about this weekend, I think it's a cool parallel that I want you to begin bringing out of Mm -hmm. how should the church be dealing with this, um, this transformation. And we see in a guy like Kanye. I think in a lot of ways we are seeing a response to Kanye that is mixed and uncertain. And some people are, yes, this is great. This is a good thing. I happen to be one of those. I know. Uh, on, on, on Sunday, on Jesus oh, yeah. is king. On blast. Closed on Sunday. It's Chick-fil-A. Yeah. <laughs> my Chick-fil-A. That I think that's how I've seen people respond. But what's been interesting is it following on social media, there have been some people who have quoted or said some different things regarding the backlash that has been received by Kanye. And to be honest, I have not seen a ton of it, but that doesn't surprise me. And the reason I bring up both this backlash and this quick response of affirmation is it's almost a modern day Saul to Paul type conversion and type response. And that picture is not unique to Mm -hmm. my perspective. I've seen some other articles that have shared, Hey, this is what we could be seeing. But what's so fascinating about this is for some of us who are Christians and we're like, yes, God has transformed my life. I'm seeing a change in character and priorities. I'm seeing some things happen different in my life. And even I've seen some things happen different in other people's life. I've seen, uh, just even two weeks ago, we've seen people come to faith in Jesus and say yes in baptism. But for some reason, when we see a public figure like Kanye give their life to Jesus, it can be met with this mixed reaction. And there's almost this doubt that, Yes, the gospel can enact change in my life, 
my trust in Jesus, my followership in Jesus, as I'm learning about him through reading the Bible and through other people sharing the message of Jesus and his goodness with me, yeah, that, that can enact change in my life. But there's no way it can truly enact change in someone like Kanye. Yeah. And so there's this almost cynicism. There's this demeanor. And I'm not saying that Kanye is going to be this perfect Christian for the rest of his life. <laughs> I, I think we got to take it with some seriousness that if he has said yes to Jesus and in following him, Kanye is in the new Christian He's a baby Christian. He's a new believer. We're going to talk about the relationship and how a mature Christian can connect and walk with a new believer here in a little bit. But we've got to see what it is, is the same power that has the ability to transform our lives. That same power, that same gospel is available and able to transform someone like Kanye's life. And so, yeah, the skepticism, the cynicism is out there, but I almost think that we should, one, embrace it. And, of course, I have, like <laughs> I said, I'm going to get We should embrace it, but we should also take that with serious to say, hey, if public people do come to faith in Jesus, what could this mean for discipleship? What could this mean for our country? But not just for our country, but how does this how does this translate for our church community in the everyday things of life to say, look, someone that is a celebrity like Kanye is transformed by the gospel, which means your neighbor two doors down who gets mad at you for your dog or for how you take out the trash or how you mow your lawn and how he reacts or she reacts, the gospel can have the same powerful effect on their life. And yeah. so living like that, believing like that, and then I think more importantly, responding and as if that is actually true. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we find ourselves in this conversation is how do we begin to live like that, that just as component that Paul's trying to bring out for the Colossian church is true today. The gospel can change me. It can change someone else just as it can change just as it changed the Colossian church and just as it can change our community mm-hmm. here in St. McCree. Yeah, I think sometimes when we see transformation stories like this, it can catch us off guard and it can make us skeptical and almost attempt to put God in a box and say, is, is that really God working? Is that someone just trying to push himself politically in a uh, popularity kind of thing? And sometimes we put it in, almost put God in a box and say, I don't know if God's transformative powers can do that. Well, because we've we've put God, like you said, God in a box, but we say He belongs in our homes, uh, in our churches, in our hearts. We don't know how to interact with things of faith in the public square. Well, mm-hmm. growing up, I don't know about you, but it was, the two subjects that you never talked about or you were told to avoid was religion and politics. And because that's been so prevalent in our society, mm-hmm. when we have a conversion like Kanye that is very public. Most people don't know what to do with it, and they don't have the language or the ability to communicate effectively about such a conversion of why that actually is possible. Mm-hmm. And so the, the backlash is, well, no, that, that, shouldn't, that shouldn't be the case. That shouldn't be possible. Or what's he really trying to get out of this? Is this a way for him to make money? 
And what we ultimately have to point people to is say, well, there's some character and priorities that will be evident in the life of Kanye Mm -hmm. that will prove his conversion genuine. And we should act like it's genuine until we see something contrary. But even if we see something contrary, we recognize we're sinful human beings that will mess up. We're not perfect this side of eternity. And we have to give each other grace. And so I... I pray that Kanye has some mentors in his life that are able to continually share the gospel as the pressure of a secular world and also a, in some case, a judgmental Christian base lash lash out against him so that he can say true and faithful to some of the lyrics that he said that Jesus is king and we should live like it. Yeah, and I think this really ties to the values we kind of promote here at Generations, this concept of story over sin, that it's God's transformative power, His transforming work of reshaping, re-envisioning our lives that unites us under Jesus together. It's mm-hmm. that story that God is writing. And second, this value of progress over perfection. We can't expect Him to be perfect overnight, and yet we see a man who's radically changed his entire persona of who he comes across as his lyrics has changed. He's even said that if he goes on tour, this like if he does any of his past songs, the words are all changed. He yeah. says, I'm no longer cussing. Like I'm no longer doing this. And people that come on and collaborate with me on some of these worship uh, songs in which he says, he says, they're going to have to kind of not be a part of this worldly life as well. Yeah. And we there's- see a man who's striving for that image in which we were created, that um, perfection, that um uh, restored image in which we talked about last week we see yeah. a man striving for that we have to understand that for all of us it's going to be a progress well and it's it's so jarring because as we're having this conversation about specifically conversion and someone who is saying yes to jesus specifically in the public square and really for him in every aspect of his life we are so unaccustomed to seeing that and it's primarily because we ourselves go, yes, I'll say yes to a little bit of change in this area of my life, but Jesus, don't touch this area of my life. Mm-hmm. And I was just even before we hopped on the podcast, listening to him talk with uh, James Corden, I think is his name, mm-hmm. uh, one of the late night guys. And he was talking about before he goes to bed, he's reading the Bible and he's like, are you serious? Like, is that really what you're doing? And he's saying, well, yeah. He's like, I don't go out at night anymore. He's like, I'm trying to spend time with my family. And so what you're seeing are some of those priorities being shifted. Mm-hmm. And even his own character of saying, this is who I am now in light of what Jesus has done for me. But one of the reasons that that change is so jarring is because we don't necessarily like that ourselves. Mm-hmm. We've seen someone who's got a really interesting past. Yeah that is being changed and transformed and he's radically saying no to some things and yes to others and if kanye can be that instantaneously changed and begin to say yes to god in every area of his life in a lot of ways we have to ask the question do we have the resiliency do we have the determination do we even have the desire to do that ourselves mm-hmm. And that's a tough question because there are still pockets of my life where I go, I don't know if I really want to 
completely relinquish that to mm-hmm. God's control and to God's guidance. Yeah. And we have to walk through that. We have to be open to some people lovingly <laughs> pointing their finger and saying, even for me, Kyle, you, you've not let God touch that area of life. John, you've not let God mm-hmm. touch that area of your life. You need to be open to that. And that's scary and that's fearful. But what's beautiful is we're actually seeing that play out right now in Kanye's life. And so yeah. while, while that's kind of the pop cultural topic today, I think we've got to recognize for what it is, why we both love that Kanye is following Jesus and the excitement behind it, but also why we as individuals might not like it because mm-hmm. it shows sometimes how fickle we can be in our own faith. Mm-hmm. And it's unique that this took place in the sermon topic in which you went, because after this concept of just as it's happening here, it's happening across the world, God's transformative power is happening everywhere. Yeah. And we literally saw that happen this week on a big center stage happen. And then we began to talk about what does it look like to be transformed by the gospel? Like Kyle, you brought up this concept of bearing fruit and growing and how it's reminiscent of this creation mm-hmm. in which from the Edenic garden that, as you like to say, um, explain this out a little bit. Like we're transformed by the gospel and we see this through us bearing fruit and growing. Yeah. Genesis talks about bearing fruit and multiplying. God says specifically, be fruitful and multiply, which means humanity originally was supposed to work for the flourishing of the garden and to see things grow, but also they were supposed to reproduce themselves so that God's image would be prevalent throughout the whole world. Mm -hmm. And so specifically in the garden, what you have this picture is, Adam and Eve specifically walking with God. They're walking with God. They're in perfect harmony with him, perfect communion. And when that's fractured, something severs there. And so humanity, while we reflect the image of God, it's not always reflected perfectly, Mm -hmm. which is why we need Jesus Mm -hmm. and why we want to see him specifically. Romans chapter 8 talks about this. God conforming us into the image of Christ, being made into Christ's likeness. When we are made in that, both foundationally in that image, but then made into Christ's likeness, we actually begin to reflect the perfect image of God back out into creation. And the beautiful thing of, in Matthew 28, we're supposed to make disciples. All what we're doing is we're making followers of Jesus who can reproduce his character and priorities into the lives of others. So we're restoring the original character and priorities that humanity had into the lives of others who we know experientially don't have those character and priorities. We exhibit brokenness, their sinfulness. And so we're in many ways, we're helping people be restored back to that relationship with God through faith in Jesus. And so the reason that bear fruit and multiply, and in Paul's terms, 
it's growing all over the earth is the Colossian church is doing exactly what original humanity was supposed to do and then what God commissioned Abraham to do in Genesis 12 and 15 was to bring God's blessing to everyone. It starts with one, but mm-hmm. the idea is for that to expand. And so that's why at Generation Church, we say we want to expand God's family because God desires his family to grow. Mm-hmm. He wants people to, but people have to return to his family through their faith in Christ Jesus. And the most effective way that we can talk about that and how that looks in the everyday aspect is we can look and say, is your character being formed into Christ likeness and are your priorities being formed into Christ likeness? And the reason I use character and priorities so often, I think it's one of the best ways to convey an internal change and an external change. So often we just want to change the external behaviors (laughs) rather than change the internal attitudes. And so when your character, you're, you're fundamentally different, meaning there's an internal joy, peace, patience, love, kindness that's being cultivated internally. And again, there's that gardening language Mm -hmm. means time is going to have to pass. There's going to have to be some work involved. And it's the Holy Spirit doing the work inside of us. But then also there's going to be some outward discipline to say, I'm decidedly going to do some things different. And the way practically we look at that is when you plan your schedule. When you're deciding between two things, should I do option A or should I do option B? Well, which one would Jesus choose? If you had to look at Jesus' character and his priorities, how might he determine which option to choose? Which is, go back to what you said a second ago, which is why our values are framed the way that they are. We know life is often about choices. And so, Putting on the perspective of Jesus, progress over perfection, mm-hmm. because we've received Jesus' perfection. So we can grow in that in this life and following him as a lifelong journey. Mm-hmm. Give over get, spirit over self, send over stay. These values, story over sin, these values are framed as choices because we want to help people. And even those of you who are listening to us determine what decisions do I need to make to best reflect the priorities of Jesus? And so you see Jesus spending time with people who, frankly, in our world today, like would be viewed as outsiders. So, so dirty people, uh, forgotten people, broken people, mm-hmm. uh, but also challenging some of the status quo. You see Jesus giving up his preferences to be present with people. Mm-hmm. You see Jesus choosing to verbalize God's true word rather than be timid or fearful and say that doesn't belong in this conversation. But you also see see him rely on the Holy Spirit. You see him pray. You see him read his Bible because he can quote scripture. And that's not because he was <laughs> downloaded with all biblical data. That's a conversation for another day. Scroll around yeah, yeah, the entire time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't downloaded with all biblical data, but he grew up and he, he had to read his Torah and memorize it. And so because he learned that, he was then able to quote it because he internalized it. Mm-hmm. And when we see some of those priorities shake out, we begin to look at our own priorities and see our priorities don't line up with that of Jesus. Mm-hmm. 
And so we've got some Macs sitting here right in front of us. Sorry, PC uh, or Windows people. <laughs> but when I think of multiplying character and priorities, I think of two simple commands. The command C, command copy, and then the command V, paste. And so the ability to copy and paste the character priorities into our life and then into the lives of others. And the Colossian church did this successfully because they were grounded in the hope of heaven. They put their full weight of their faith in Jesus and had a love for others that was unparalleled. Mm. I think that's really cool because this it reminds me of a conversation we've had outside of this through a different book we've gone through of what it this idea of inward and outward even reminds me of this kind of concept of blending the mind and the heart and how they balance each other out of, I know this stuff. I know what Jesus' priorities are. I know what his characteristics look like. I, I know this stuff, but do I really internalize it in my heart? Because that's what we're truly going to express. Yep. Our outward expression naturally is going to come from our heart of who, what we truly believe, what we truly own, what we truly spend our time in and invest in and allow to shape who we are. Whether we know cognitively, sometimes that side's going to kind of phase out and we're just naturally going to live. Mm-hmm. And it's the question of, as we naturally live, do people see Jesus yes. through us? Yes. Too often we think of lives, our life like an on-off switch, like a light. is <laughs> sweet. I flip it up, I'm on, I'm bubbly, or even like... Okay, I gotta be super Jesus-y in this moment. I walk out and, my door, turn on the Jesus switch. Yep. And then and then we come home and in the privacy of our own homes and our own rooms and with our own smartphones, we turn the switch off and it's like I can recluse and be whoever I wanna be or do whatever I wanna do. And the challenge is is that's hypocrisy and that's frankly a lack of integrity. And what we see specifically in Jesus' life is he's the same person. 24 7 365 and what we are to aspire to be is to have that consistent nature where we're not flipping a jesus switch off and on yes we're going to have to make choices to to exhibit a characteristic over maybe something we would selfishly want to do that's not what i'm talking about here i'm talking about those moments when we consciously or unconsciously flip on that switch, flip it off to say, okay, no one can see me. I'm in the privacy of my own home or I'm not around anybody I know. I can behave however I want to. And in fact, not just behave however I want to, I can think whatever I want to think. Mm-hmm. I can I can say things in my head that no one else is going to hear. There's a duplicity there, again, that shows a lack of integrity, a lack of consistency and the, the beautiful aspect of Christianity is in many ways to restore the, the compositeness of humanity so that mind, heart, and hands, our, our actions, our will, our affections, and our thoughts are in consistency and in, are congruent with one another. Mm-hmm. And that's why what we do on Sundays when we take communion to, to realign our hearts and our heads and even our habits. That's why we at Generations right now, we're choosing for people to move into communion is we're trying to realign all of those different aspects of mm-hmm. being human to say Jesus needs to be expressed. Remember his life, his death, and his resurrection and really his ascension and his return. When we, when we remember that flow, 
we will begin to see greater consistency across all aspects of our humanity because sometimes our wills don't match up with our minds, don't mm-hmm. match up with our actions, and we want to see a consistency there. Yeah. And that comes when we continually copy and paste the character and priorities of Jesus into our lives. We do that often enough, and then we live that with others. What happens is we start to see that in other people. Yeah. Others start to go, you have a consistency, you have a level of integrity, you have a level of, of love and peace. How do I take that aspect that I see in you and absorb it into my own life? Yeah. And maybe they do that intentionally, or maybe because of your consistency, because of your Jesus habits, they begin to adopt those habits for themselves. Yeah. You had a quote this week, and it was healthy things reproduce. Mm. And I think that's right where you're at right now yes. in this conversation of saying, when we are healthy Christians, when we are transformed by the gospel, and it's not just a transformation of the things we do out in the world, but it's a transformation inward and outward of who we are is reshaped, it is rewritten, story over sin, back at that. Yeah. But it's this idea of we're allowing God to rewrite us, to reform us, reshape us into the image of Jesus, into the image of God we were originally created to be. When we're healthy in this state, we will reproduce because the world around us is going to see this genuineness, this authenticity, this non that we're used to in our society, where we're used to seeing people fail and come short. But even in the midst of our failure, there's this level of genuineness of we are striving to be this image of God in which we're created. Well, which we're, we're shaped differently, which means our thinking in terms of time changes. There's, there's a couple new books that have come out that I'm, I'm actually eager to read. And it's like the ruthless elimination of hurry by John Mark Comer. And it's this idea of we don't have to hurry. We don't have to rush because we're not living for something right now, right away. It's not, it's not the sense of immediacy, mm-hmm. but it's a sense of we can take the time to rest because we're not ultimately in control. God's in control. Mm-hmm. We can have a level I mean, and that's scriptural. You go back to the Genesis story. There's a level (laughs) of Sabbath there, and that's what that is. It's resting because we are finite beings, and we have to trust that an infinite God is at work. Mm -hmm. And so we can think about time different. We can think about people different. We don't see them as things to be used or just a way to get a leg up ourselves or... For our own satisfaction, we begin to think of them as created beings who have the image of God within them and also have the capacity to create beautiful things and also to participate and contribute to our own lives. Not at, Because sometimes we think we, or maybe we don't always think, we can act like we're the source of all knowledge and authority, <laughs> which that demeans anything of value that another person can speak or share into our life. Mm. So we have to have a humility. There's that character piece that receives wisdom from another. And again, it's going to be imperfect, but as long as they're sharing their journey and specifically their journey towards the direction of Christ likeness and Jesus, there is some value. There's some merit. There that we can learn no matter what age, no matter what background, 
no matter what our own experience is. Mm -hmm. And I hear you in there talking about this concept of sharing and the reproducible side of it. And this weekend you gave us this kind of tangible image of these circles. And I'm going to have you kind of elaborate a little bit more on that. If you didn't hear this past sermon in this, uh, this kind of, it's not an object lesson because it was on the screen, but this image in which illustration that Kyle used, go back and listen to our sermon audio here on the podcast. But Kyle, you drew out these three circles, the Mm non-believers, the believers, the mentors, and you began to dive into this concept of translation Mm -hmm. of how we translate the gospel to different groups and how in each of them, there might be a form of disconnect or connectivity to that gospel and how that alters that conversation. You go back to how we started and we say, just as. Once again, the gospel was brought to us just as the gospel is supposed to be brought to others. Meaning, I had everybody write down specifically three circles, two circles, and then one circles. And if you look at that imagery, it actually forms like a cluster of grapes. And that's <laughs> so that fruitful and multiplication thing. And so, but the three were specifically three non believers in their lives that if they didn't have a name to fill, that it's someone to pray for God to fill that circle. And the practicality thing of is at some point, someone invited them to church, said, hey, have you ever heard about Jesus? Maybe it was when they were young and it was their parents. Maybe it was a friend or a coworker or they listened online. The point is someone at some point helped them transition from a non-believer to a believer. But at some point, again, they were a non-believer. They were someone who didn't actively trust and follow Jesus. And so my challenge was to say, who are three people in your life to say that, that you can be praying about how you were going to bring the gospel to them, how you were going to be translate to them. And the reason I use the word translator is because the story I told about almost getting married in Kenya and Thanks be to God about my uh, translator, Sammy. But his goal wasn't just to be a mediator or a barrier, but to actually help me flourish in learning the Turkana language and culture. And in the same way, our goal is not to simply tell these non-believers what they should do or what they should believe, but in many ways, show them, be a translator so that they can flourish in the original way that God designed them Mm -hmm. to flourish. Yeah, we're not just supposed to take a non-believer, make them a believer, and kind of stop there. So you started showing up to church, you you read your Bible once or twice, all right, cool, let's check you off, we're done with you. Correct, correct. And so so you have those those non-believers that, yeah, it's it's not just checking a box or doing the right thing. There's got to be that internal disposition that is fundamentally changed by them saying yes to following Jesus. And so there's three people we asked them to pray about. And then we said there's two newer believers. So some people who are newer to the faith than you are. So even if you've been a Christian for a day, there's someone newer to the faith than you. Even a week, a month, there are people in your church, in your congregation, or at least we want to work so that there are, (laughs) newer to the faith that you can begin building a relationship with so that you can pass on some of the wisdom and some of what you've learned but here's the kicker is we're thinking about, you know, the downward flow of non-believers, newer believers. The key here is so that you don't get stagnant 
of having someone who is invested in you, that last circle, that mentor concept, having someone who can look in your life and say, hey, your character is not matching Christ's likeness. Your priorities aren't matching up with Christ's likeness. Uh, You are saying that you believe something to be true about love, but yet you are unwilling to take time out of your day to go help someone. Or you say that you are trusting that God is in control, yet every Facebook post that you post is worried about your job or your money. Or so, so what you're saying is you trust God, but what you're actually putting out there is something entirely. You need someone who is in your life who can see, in some ways, our own blind spots that can point those out in a loving and gracious and Christ-like way. But there can be some accountability so that they can encourage you to greater and greater Christ-likeness. We need someone who can look at our lives and bring that out of us and in many ways direct us into more and more Christ-likeness. And so non-believer, newer believer, and then that mentor component, we all need those in our lives. Mm-hmm. And we need them so that we can reproduce the character and priorities of Jesus into others. Mm-hmm. And we will not do that if we don't have those levels mm-hmm. in our lives. It gets us back to that image you were talking about in creation where we're to bear fruit and reproduce. This idea of multiplication, it won't take place if, one, we're not connecting with someone who's a non-Christian. If we're not in the world and living around here like when we go to the coffee shop, if you're not willing to engage with someone you've never met before yeah. and be open and honest and share who you are, who you believe and why you go to church even. Yeah. Um, if we're not engaging with non-Christians, inviting them in and showing them and being authentic in the way we live, mm-hmm. allowing them that healthy uh, reproduction that we talked about, that if we aren't living it out in the way that we share it, if there's not that authenticity, mm-hmm. we don't want to set up a barrier there but then also allowing others in our life to pour into us. And the piece there is not thinking more highly of yourself than you ought, because remembering that someone had to share something with you Mm -hmm. and you almost need that mentor piece to keep you humble so that as you share your experience with others, you remember that what you have received is not because of your own amazing insight but it's through the wisdom of both your time with Jesus and, uh, and Jesus' presence in the another, another believer sharing, mm-hmm. sharing that with you. It's that encouragement to share that with the others. Yeah. You've been shared this gift. Go and share that gift with someone else. And it, and it can come in a real practical way. So someone in your life says they're going to have surgery. And you, you've got to figure out what your reaction is going to be. Someone who is a more mature believer might go, hey, did you think about providing a meal for them? And you may go, I have never cooked something for someone else in my <laughs> life. I, this makes me super uncomfortable. And what they can do is they can say, it's not, not just say it's not that hard, but say, okay, let's make a meal together. Let's take it over and care, sit with them for a while mm-hmm. and let's leave. And then the cool thing is you do that once, then you do that twice, and then someone's like, so someone in my life doesn't is having the surgery, and I'm not quite sure how to care for them. And you're able to go, hey, I got an idea. Let's make a meal. <laughs> or 
another great one is, hey, can I can I take their kids for a few hours and go babysit them or take mm-hmm. them to the park while mom or dad's laid up? And for some of us, especially who are not just younger in life experience, but younger those who are younger in the faith, it's so welcome to have someone who has got more experience or even more Christian wisdom to go, hey, not just you should do that, but let me show you what that actually looks like. And then, again, you can do that with others. And so many of us... Let me correct myself for a second. What can happen is when we don't have people who are willing both to show us or we're, we're open with our need for someone to show us something, we get paralyzed by fear. And then we do nothing. Mm-hmm. And then it, the opportunity passes us by. Yeah. And not that there won't ever be more opportunities, but because we've not, one, been open with, and are just being humble and saying, hey... I think this is what I should do. Can someone else please help me? When, when we're not open to do that, we, we miss out. And then when we're just willing to just tell people what they should do rather than take the time to do it with them or show them, we, we, we miss out of a greater opportunity to reproduce those characters and priorities into the life of another. And so... There's got to be communication all around. There's got to be a humility that's present. There's got to be that continual transformation of saying, I really do need to take the time not to just tell others or what they should do or how they should do it, but demonstrate a level of time commitment to show them and to bring them along with me. And that's that's ultimately what the goal in all this is is some of those practical aspects of presence in the lives of others. That's what the Colossians were known for, is that love, their love in the Spirit, collectively as a church community, was being made known, was being shared, and was being fruit, was bearing fruit all over the world because of how effective they were at doing that. And that's one, the grace of God, but two, just simply actually being with people showing them what it looks like and being being open about it. And so if you're listening to this podcast and some of these things are coming to your mind that you're like, "Ooh, I could pass that information on" or "Ooh, I'm not sure that I know how to do this." Express that with your church community. Hmm. Even down to like certain words that are said in the church, which is why we're doing this podcast is to bring definition and clarity to certain words. Express that to an older, more mature believer and ask, can I sit down with you to learn? And if you're a more mature believer, don't just regurgitate the information. Be patient, be conversational, and even being willing to learn yourself. Because you may find out that even though you're there to to provide some wisdom and pass on some, some really good tips and information, because the new believer specifically has the Holy Spirit of God inside of them in their life, they may be able to share some really great ideas and insight with you as well. So being willing to learn, investing in others, so that others can come into the family of God because of what Jesus has done for us, to what extent for generations to come.
Thanks for joining us on today's podcast. Please subscribe. Also, we'd love for you to share this podcast and our other social media with your family and friends. This will be a great way to hear our weekly teaching and additional conversations we're having around Generations Church. Thanks for joining us.